Hey, it's me, Physic. Well, let me tell you about the last piece of our adventure. We met the big boss of the Mitflits in the Gauntlet Keep, and we met his pet spider, Bite Bite. Sage Tulak tried to talk his way out of trouble with the guy, but it wasn't long before Tulak started casting a spell, and trouble started anyway. The spider took a nasty slice out of Samal. It was looking bad for him, but I managed to get an elixir into him, and he got right back up. The spider didn't last long after that. Samal and Tulak saw through it. The Mitflit tried talking to us after that, but I think the whole situation made Samal a little angry, because his axe ended the conversation pretty quickly. We found some neat equipment at least. We took a quick look around the keep, but poor Samal needed healing beyond what I could provide. We took a quiet, painful walk back to our terrible group. As Samal went for healing from Vandy at the Dawnflower Library, Tulak and myself thought it best to go seek answers from one. Well, guys, we uh, we get some feedback from some friends and family and that sort of thing on our show, and uh, we've reviewed some of it off mic. All things are pointing towards the positive, which is really great, but there was one piece of feedback I did not mention to everybody. Oh, boy. Yeah, and it sort of occurred to me just before we are getting ready to record... Uh, and it comes from a mutual friend of, of myself, James and Scott, uh, our friend Michael. And uh, he gave us some great feedback, but there's a piece that I, I missed. Um, and so I'm just going to read it verbatim here. It, it was, he mentioned it as he was listening. He said, just listening to your pod on the bus right now, your friend out east has a bigger Canadian accent than you at times. His outs are very Canadian. <laughs> Uh, I think we should add here that Michael is an actor and yes. very <laughs> well aware of his accents. Yes. <laughs> very, very on point. I laughed so hard. I was like, oh, man, Duncan. <laughs> so proper that East being Coast said, he does take the bus, so maybe let's turn the credit <laughs> down. <laughs> Shots fired. I, I don't know it. what he's talking about, bud. Uh, right there, bud. <clears throat> I think that uh, it's kind of funny, just the Canadian accent thing from Michael, because in commercials, or sorry, in movies, he's always being told to sound more American, but right. then when they're doing commercials, they always say, well, you have to sound more Canadian, oh, and man. it's like, just the small, slight differences, which apparently are a thing, and there's just <laughs> obviously different dialects. Right. It's got to be like real, real, uh, pay real attention. I, I actually try sometimes when I'm kind of able to think about it. Um, try not to get my R's too hard. 
uh, I try to to like avoid those once in a while, but uh, it just comes out. It comes out. Yeah, I'm all, I'm comfortable with the fact that I'm a walking stereotype. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not really that bad at the end of the day. Um, Beginning of the day, though. But uh, you are living. You are living in a rural area at the moment, so it's probably not helping. It absolutely is not. That and Duncan's drunk all the time. So. That is absolutely true. When Freeman did approach originally about the idea of the podcast having several members be from the far east coast far east <laughs> i thought it was going to be quite a bit thicker than uh than it actually is yeah now it really depends on what where you're coming from uh, if they're coming from cape breton island watch out <laughs> oh geez but oh it's a, such a sin oh that is it's like right uh, it's basically might as well be in minnesota oh, it's basically irish <laughs> yeah it's an Irish Minnesotan. That's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> and I say far east coast because so many people around here say east coast and mean Ontario. Like Toronto. And yeah. you're like, that's not even on the coast. No. Not. We consider ourselves central. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they just, uh, uh, I, there's a lot of people from around the Toronto area that think it just stops at Toronto. So I think we're, that's where that's coming from. Yeah. Uh, it's the GTA. <laughs> Uh, it, it is the GTA, uh, and and again, we always con- like we consider ourselves central. We never considered ourselves East Coast. That's an that's a West Coast thing, mm, right? That's, that's Alberta and BC putting that shit on yeah. us. We're stereotyping. As far as we're concerned, we are the center of the fucking country <laughs> and the center of the world. <laughs> well, I mean, to a lesser extent, that's that seems less important than we're, Canada. But yeah. We're the America outside of America. <laughs> I can't tell you because I've I've served uh, you know working hospitality. You serve so many people, and and like you're you're meeting them from all all over the place. And and uh, you st- I regularly bring up the fact that I'm from the East Coast because I I'm proud of of the the stereotype that exists over there. And I don't always fit it, but I love I love that people love it. So I like to play it up. And and then I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm from the East Coast. And so I'd be like, oh yeah, me too. Where are you from? I'm from New Brunswick. Like, oh yeah, I'm from Toronto. I'd be like, ah. Hold the phone. <laughs> you don't, no, no, you don't get that hospitable, lovely claim to fame at all. Thank you very much. <laughs> also, if they pronounced it like that, you know, it's not true. Yeah. It's not Toronto. It's not Toronto. It's Toronto. Toronto. <laughs> yeah. Toronto. Toronto. 100%. <laughs> Are we just low key dragging like all of our potential Ontario <laughs> listeners? Uh, maybe. Oh no, they know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. they don't care. They know better. They know better. Yeah. When they come to the West Coast, they just adopt the that West Coast vibe that, that James was talking about. Everyone just assumes it's uh, ends at Ontario, and they're just like, eh, it's just easier to say yes, I am, so they don't have to bother explaining it to the to the, the British Columbians, essentially. <laughs> but when I do meet a proper East Coaster, I always ask them, "Do you hate it when someone from Ontario claims to be from the East?" They're like, "Yes, yes, I hate it." Worst part of living in Montreal was having to explain to native Montrealers where New Brunswick is. I'm like, is that in New Jersey? And you're like, no. <laughs> so I think there's a town in New yeah. Jersey called New Brunswick. <laughs> but it's literally connected to your province, guys. It's like, it's right there. <laughs> well, that's because the old Brunswick is in New Jersey. Oh, is it? Well, they've got a New Brunswick. Yeah, New Brunswick, New Jersey is where uh, nothing happens. But I guess nothing happens here either. So we're even. Well, in the interest of uh, no longer boring what will uh, hopefully be our American listeners, <laughs> we're going, I've heard of Toronto, but I thought it was Toronto, and uh, everything, the rest of this makes no sense to me. Uh, so uh, let's, uh, let's get into the game. Are you guys ready? 
Yes. Yeah. Let's 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 start talking about this this out west Otari. <laughs> oh, speaking of the coast. Yes, 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 yes. Although this is technically on the southern coast of the Isle of Cortos. Yeah, but it's west of Kadir and Katapesh. And of Absalom. So I appreciate your half assed segue. <laughs> very, very half assed. We've got a good got a good roll going so far on our segues. Oh man. Um Good luck, listeners. It's only going to go down from here. <laughs> well, as we as we finished up in the last episode, um, uh, we ended on uh, a very concerned note. Rin, you know, milling about in her shop, sees Sage Tulak and Physic walk in. Physic exclaiming that they need help, turns and sees there is no Samal with them, and a worried look comes across her face. Tulak. Physic, where is Samal? Rin, don't you worry about that now. Samal is okay. I'm sorry to have startled you, but he's gone to the Dawnflower to receive some healing. She gives a very relieved sigh and look to you. Please, tell me, what has happened? You're back so soon. Yes, it has been quite the endeavor thus far. We met the inhabitants of the Fogfen. These strange creatures called Mitflits. We've had many combats with them, and Samal was gravely injured, but he is alive, and I think he will be okay. Oh, this is good to hear. But he needed healing. It must have been harrowing, at least. Uh, was it was it more dangerous than I expected? Than you expected? It was the most danger I've ever seen. And I, too, must admit the same. I... I've taken my first life today, and in fact I took more than one. It was not what I expected, and I don't know if I was quite prepared for it, but it was it it was in defense of our of our group, of our adventuring party. So far I have found no answers, but we will go back to find more. This is a world of kill or be killed sometimes. Tulak, I am sorry that you had to and the life, but uh, I hope you, I hope you are okay with what has happened. I hope you are ready to move forward. It already feels like it's so much to ask. I do know that I will require some reflection on these tasks. I believe these beings to be evil. I believe that they were, their sole purpose was to harm us, kill us, maybe eat us, but... I must also let you know that we may have may have stopped an attack on the city. We don't have all the information, but it appears that they were planning something. We saw some sort of diorama, some setup of Otari in, in the sand of a Mitflit king. And it seemed he was expecting us, but I, I have no idea why or what he was planning. Unfortunately, my rash decision-making, we had to kill him before we found any answers, and for that I apologize. I... I see. It is perhaps fate and fortune that has allowed us to discover this plan, this, these creatures, these mitflits. Hmm. But what of the lighthouse? Did you discover anything there? 
We didn't get close to the lighthouse. So you must return. I guess we must. We will. But please, if you have the time, the energy, sit and give me every detail. And from there, we'll switch to Samal. What are you up to, Samal? Well, after getting his magical healing from Vandy, something he's not particularly used to, but growing more used to by the day, it seems. He is, uh, he's, he's going to double check the wounds himself, make sure that they have, in fact, fully healed and he's looking good and mechanically he's back up to full health, which is great. He is going to, uh, thank Vandy, promise to return his books in a timely manner, and, uh, make his way back to Rin's place. The, the plan was to get her advice and then head back to the lighthouse. So that's what he's going to do. So you travel up, uh, the Dawnflower Street and through the various, intersections and walkways finally make it to wisp street cross the bridge to osprey and up to rin's wonders as you walk that path towards the entrance you see physic and sage tulak exiting rin having recently thanked them for the detail of what happened and insisting they go for a rest and return that evening and the three of you meet in front. Samal, you you look much better. Vandy's done some good work today. What did Rin have to say to you? Not much as of yet. We've filled her in on the information we've gathered thus far, as little as it is. She expects us back this evening. I think she will be reading the stars until we, until we speak again. Figures that the bloody witch can't read the stars in the daylight. Now, Samal, I know you don't mean that. No, no, I don't, but I just like to get back to it. You know that by now. I do understand, but I believe I am not ready to go back. I I feel depleted and worn. I, as well, will need some time. I think we could all use a nap. <laughs> Salt of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I could use a repair job on my shield and maybe put a point back on the axe. It has seen a fair bit more use today. Meet you back here just after dusk, then? Yes, that'll be fine with okay. me. He'll uh, head back to his place to roll a repair check on his shield and, uh, I guess, stitch up the holes in his hide armor. Okay, so you're... There's got to be a bunch. You're going wait, to uh, wait to talk to Rin okay, and, and take care of that first. Cool. Where does Samal live? Uh, he lives just off Manticore Street. And uh, Physic lives over in Worm Nook, which is just right over by Rin's Wonders. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Tulak heads down Roseguard Road back to the uh, market. All right. Do you want to process your, your repair there, James? Yeah. So I'll need you to set the DC. Okay. And then I I just roll a repair check, it looks like, because I do have a repair kit on hand. Uh, so that's a crafting check. Okay. So crafting check and uh, DC is... Uh, I assume this is like a a pretty straightforward thing. It's a mundane shield and everything, right? So, yeah, DC is going to be 15. Okay, so 15 or higher, I restore 5 HP back to my uh, my shield. Oh, no, sorry. If I, if I succeed, that's 5 points plus an additional 5 for proficiency rank. I have in oh. crafting. Oh, that's true. Uh, so that's, uh, that, that's 10 back if I succeed. So you can, you can technically, can you technically try to repair untrained or no? 
Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. I think you need to be trained. Oh, yeah, you know what? It's a repair kit that you're using. So, yeah, I think you would have to be able to because you can, you can do heel checks untrained as long as you have healers. Okay, sure. Right at incorrectness. The, <laughs> the phones are open. Uh, that is a 19 on the die, so that's 10 back to my shield to bring its HP back up to 20. Nice. Very, very nice. Is anyone uh, else, uh, aside from the much-needed nap, is anyone else doing anything in town? Any shopping to be done after this herring first day well i think that tulok would go home first he's going to do some shopping but kind of as soon as he breaks up with the others he's heading south in a little bit of a hurry um he puts his hood up to try to avoid having conversations with anyone i think he's doing a lot of processing right now and as he's heading down roseguard street to the south towards his caravan he can see the market within sight and he just kind of stumbles a little bit, reaching to his head, and just begins to rub his temples a little bit, uh, kind of recovering. But as he approaches his um, his caravan, he has to kind of take a knee, holding on to one of the wagon wheels and holding his head in his hand. And not just because of the fact that he's taken lives today, but he seems to be kind of worn, and his body is tired, and his mind... And he starts to think intrusive thoughts and hear intrusive voices. Creepy. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> but luckily you live right in the corner of the market, so you don't have to go far for shopping. What about you, Physic? Uh, yeah, Physic's not exactly swimming in it right now. Um, gold, silver, or copper, that is. So he would probably just quite dejectedly trudge his way home for that much needed nap out of character do you need anything duncan like i've got five gold i, I can don't spot really if think you want. there's much that i do know like i kind of got the weapon that i would have needed from that last encounter where i've got a nice fancy crown on my head and uh i'm gonna have more reagents in the morning for more healing items so Fancy being the operative okay. word. <laughs> Fancy's doing a lot of heavy lifting there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will do some shopping at the end of the day uh, as well. Uh, I'm just going to pick up two healing potions, a minor. And I, three. Okay, and you're going you're gonna to get three. Okay, so you're going to stock up here. Uh, yeah, so, all right, so you you do your shopping and dusk falls. Uh, you get rested, Tulak and, and Physic, you guys weren't really down much in the way HPA. So normally it would be your con modifier plus your level, um, in which case I think you both would just come to full. But Dusk Falls and Rin awaits you. So Samal, with his uh, two healing potions stored in his bandolier, I'm saying that out loud so there's audio reference for it later <laughs> when he quick draws it, is going to uh, make his way back to Rin's. Uh, the stomach of his hide armor has been like reinforced with a second plate, and it's all done in white thread because he, with the tapestries he sells, he doesn't have any black thread. So he could only mend with like this white thread. So there's this really stark new piece of hide in the middle of his, in the middle of the stomach of his armor from that rend from last episode. <laughs> Uh, and he makes his way to Rin's house. Yeah, all right. So you uh, you make your way down Avashi Street, hooking up to Osprey, and arrive at uh, Rin's Wonders. And Samal, you arrive before anyone else. 
Do you wait or do you enter first? I think he'll enter first. Yeah, you step in and she turns around right away, pot in hand. Samal, I'm so glad to see you. The tea is mine to prepare tonight. And she sets the steaming pot down in the center with a couple of mugs ready. He will, uh, he'll widen his stance and kind of cock an eyebrow. Just that That's not their normal dynamic, so he's a little confused by this, this change of pace. And she, uh, she sits down. He follows her. And she furrows her brow and doesn't really look at you right away. And she sort of seems to be staring into her, into her tea after she has poured you both a cup and, and seems to be searching for the right words. And she eventually looks up with those blank, pupilless eyes and this, this look of concern across her face and all of her features. She says, Samal, Tulak and Fizik, they told me everything. I'm, I'm so very glad you are okay. I'm so sorry that it came so close to to what could have been your death. I feel responsible. I feel like I've asked way more than I than I originally thought. I am concerned for you somehow. More than just your physical injuries. They told me you killed this this king of the Midflits. He uh, makes direct eye contact with her and just casually waits for her to finish. She's clearly got a point to make, and he he wants to hear what it is. Now he's his his, his expression is a little more frustrated than than you might think uh, at the questioning of his actions, but he's he's waiting to see what she has to say about it. And. She sort of waits for you to respond, and you don't. And so she kind of grows a little more anxious. If I, if I feel I know you, Samal, I know you would want to go straight back. You took the day, but not because you would wanted to. I fear for more than just physical exhaustion from all of you, but what that sort of event can have on the mind of somebody. I have seen tragedy and destruction in my life, but not for some time. It is behind me now, but it is hard to bring back. This is why I grow concerned. They did not say it, but I I felt as though perhaps you you killed with anger or frustration and I'm I'm probably out of turn here but what would your Azori say he uh he gently sets the the teacup down without taking a sip and pauses to choose his words here very very carefully Azori would have put her scimitar through his spine before I even had the chance. It's kill or be killed, and we sail when the wind blows. You know me. 
But you don't know who I am, right? You don't know who I was, and you don't know what I did. We sailed the Geb, and Sheliax, and Kadir, and we faced the roughest, and pirates, and the like. And when it's your life, is Ori's life, on the line, no hesitations are to be made. You brought me in to protect these two. That king was a threat. And that threat is no longer walking about to be a threat. There was a plan. There was an initiative. It's no longer active without the heathering. This is what you brought me in to do, is to put these things in the ground. Not to pussyfoot around and act as a babysitter for those two. I am here to kill. You know me, but you don't know who I am, and you certainly weren't there to see that king go down, nor were you there to see me go down. I appreciate you looking out for me, and I know you've seen Azori, and I know you can feel her, but you don't know her, and you don't know how she would react. She is a vicious, violent woman with a temper of the sea. That's what I love about her. She is the crashing waves, and I'm the rock she crashes upon. And then he just leans back in his chair. Ooh. <laughs> that was yeah. good. Now I want to kill Samal just like Spicy. a Ciazori. <laughs> that was awesome. She bows her head for a moment and then looks up through the dome in her in her shop and to the stars above. And while gazing up, she says then the stars were right when they guided me to you. You are right. I do not know you. Not truly. And you surprised me somehow. But now you fill me with confidence as well. This is more than just my asking. It is the fate of the caravan of the cosmos. You were built for this. And while I will always be concerned for you, I will no longer mother you. And she looks you right in the eyes at that point. This I promise. The truth is, Ren, I'm glad to hear that. I don't need a mother. I need a friend. I need somebody who's going to watch out for me and these and Izori. That's what I've always thought of you as. A friend, and a good one at that. And then he picks up his teacup, visibly relaxing. And she also visibly relaxes. You've come to an understanding, given the circumstances that neither of you have really expected. And I, I feel there's this moment where your your friendship has like hit a, diff- a new point. Yeah. We truly understand each other again. You know, it was just a casual, you know give and take relationship but now we understand each other yeah we have a yeah a very mutual understanding um for what little you know in detail of each other and i'd say you you sit there quietly together sipping some tea for just a short while do you do you imagine the mood is tense at this point or do you imagine like it's relaxed and all the tensions left from the uh from rin i would say it's it's not tense from coming from her, but rather she's kind of really in thought at this point. 
like just really almost meditative, really considering, you know, the details in which uh, of what everything that happened that Physic and Tulak gave, and she's just sort of mulling that over and and the consequences, that sort of thing, and, and trying to like and and also thinking about what just happened between the two of you and. Her relaxing definitely comes from like this. She has this sense of uh, that was a very good thing, very therapeutic, if you will, because she's been anxious. I, I wanted to make sure because if if Physic and Tulak come into a very tense moment, mm. whereas it's <laughs> it, it was intense, but it's no longer tense. I was going to ask the same. Yeah, yeah that 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 would change the atmosphere for sure. So it's it's good to know that we're just like quietly drinking tea, sitting in in this this silent understanding. And uh, Tulak or Physic, who comes in first? I'll leave it up to you guys. Or do you come at the same time? Hand in hand. High five. <laughs> Gallivanting down, down Osprey Street. <laughs> Make it that much better if it was tense to go in there. Just like, oh my god. Um. <laughs> Tulak shows up and, and, uh, and Physic's got a hopscotch chalked out on the, on the pathway. Just playing. Yeah, I guess Physic will come in next. Just see the both of them sitting there, be absolutely wildly relieved to see Samal still standing, and just kind of, like, let out. And He might actually be smiling for the first time in, that you've ever seen. Which <laughs> might actually put him a little less at ease. <laughs> is it like a, he's not like a beaming smile, has he got like a smirk on his face or something? Like... <laughs> Um, like, like maybe under his teacup, like just is he's happy, the satisfied he's, look. Yeah, he, he's <laughs> yeah. He he doesn't speak that much ever. Mm. Um, and you know, as as much as he wants to get back to his life in the market, it did feel good to be out there holding the axe, protecting people again, because that's what his entire life has been. Okay, so Physic walks in, sees you with this odd look of contentment on your face, because oh. Samal, I, I'm so happy to see you, okay? And I'll turn towards Rin, like, Rin, thank you for calling us back. And she hands you a cup of tea she's already poured for you before you even walked in. And, starts, and she starts pouring a, another one right away. So yeah, he just grabs it and just kind of, like, plops down next to Samal. Then around that moment, the uh, canvas door just parts to the side rather silently. And she throws and- the teapot right at you. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Samal definitely ducks out of the way. <laughs> I use telekinetic projectile to take the most expensive thing off the shelf and smash the teapot before it hits me. You piece of shit. <laughs> and then magic missile for three actions. Ah, uh, the rare four action turn from the sorcerer. We're not an initiative. I waited six seconds. All right, Sage, Sage Shulak walks in. Yes, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. So Tulak comes in, silently, just a hand on his uh, pouch to stifle kind of the click-clack as he was moving through the streets, and uh, gives kind of a half-assed, half-smile to them, but quickly just kind of lets that go as he kind of slides down into the chair, takes the cup of tea, and waits. Spins his chair around backwards and just smashes the hot tea. One shot. (laughs) Bits on the ground. Just Commander Rikers it. <laughs> um, and she just greets you with a, a knowing look and a, and a smile. And once you're all sat and a couple beats go by, and she looks up to the stars above. She seems to be lost in a, a sort of trance for a moment as you all sit and wait, maybe watch and sip on your tea. 
and I'm going to tell you about Read the Stars. You can use this pretty regular, uh, or as often as you, as you can manage, essentially. And uh, what happens is Rin attempts to read the future in the stars. And she spends a full hour studying the night sky. And she can only use this, or she can't use this during the day, which uh, is probably pretty obvious, and uh, and on overcast nights. So she needs to really be able to see those those stars. Uh, and... Yeah, this is, and this is the sort of thing she will do, you know, for anybody, essentially, uh, but uh, at a cost. But for you guys, since you are going out on, on a limb here for her and at her request, uh, will this, this, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Service. This service, thank you. This service is offered pro for bono. free, of course. Yeah, it is pro, a pro bono service, said Rin's Wonders. <laughs> she attempts an astrology lore check, essentially. And the DC is uh, affected by uh, the party's current level, essentially. So it will rise as you go, as the danger increases. Now. Yes? Hold on. Okay. So I have a spell called Join Pass. Let me know if this is something that you think Tulak would be able to kind of use his own clairvoyance to uh, help out with. Tell me about this spell. With touches to the target's foreheads, you can bring them into mental communication. The targets can share thoughts and experiences, but not words. When one target attempts to recall knowledge, the other can aid the first target's skill check using any lore, even if that lore wouldn't normally apply, without having made any preparations to aid. Is she attempting to recall knowledge, or does that not work here? In this case, it's, 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 it does not apply because uh, it's not technically a recall knowledge. It is uh, this is an ability of hers called read the stars. Uh, right. So it's not a not a typical thing. Uh, yeah, it's not just her trying to recall something. It's actually her utilizing the cosmic caravan to attempt to predict the future. It's a very different base for the mechanic. That's a cool ability, though. Holy shit! Um, I love yeah, that. That's dope. Hold on to that one. Seriously, that our call knowledge is going to be everyone's friend in this in this adventure for sure. But uh, yeah, in this case, on her own, she will roll her astrology lore check, and uh, so I'll happily reveal the the numbers in this. I'm not going to tell you what all of the um, degrees of success are right away. But we'll learn them as we go. But uh, she rolls a twenty total, and with the current uh, DC set for fifteen. That's a success. Now, the cool thing about this ability of hers is that with a success, she can read the stars and gain the effects of the augury spell. But the difference is, augury would normally only predict results up to uh, the next 30 minutes. But she can do it for the next 24 hours. So as she's reading these stars and taking her time and meditating for for an, uh, an hour... She finally turns her head down and tries to take you all in and says, Ask your question of the stars. And Augury works uh, like this. You basically gain a vague glimpse of the future. And during the casting of the spell, you have to ask about the results of a particular course of action. And then from there, you will get a wheel or a woe or a wheel and woe or nothing at all. So wheel meaning things are good, woe meaning things will be bad. 
Wheel and woe means it'll be mixed, and nothing means nothing good or bad will happen. Now, there is also a secret flat check for me to roll. If I fail it, the result will absolutely be nothing. Uh, which means that if you get the nothing results, you will never really know if it's accurate. That's the most important part of this process. So I'm going to roll that flat check right now. And you guys need to think about what question you're going to ask to see if it's good, bad, or mixed results, or no, neither will occur. Is that for all of us together or one each? As a party. Maybe just entering the lighthouse, something like that. And the more specific you are, the more it might play in your favor. So it's like, is it? Do you want to ask simply, will it be will it be good or bad if we enter the lighthouse, or you know, is it good or bad if we enter the lighthouse at a certain time or from a certain direction? Like that, you get a little more specific. So it's kind of up to you guys how you want to sort that out. We could ask if we will get more information by going into the lighthouse during the day or night. Yeah, or we could ask for three more wishes. <laughs> I mean, that's always oh, that's just easy money. Yeah. <laughs> I clearly don't understand how to phrase this, so you guys take take the take the driver's seat on this. The so most important thing is you, you got to think about you. what what are you doing next when you go to the ruins, right? What what's the plan when you get back? We could say, will will we find the answer to Rin's question in the lighthouse? I feel like we would find that regardless, yeah. Yeah. I like Scott's day or night. Is day or night better to attack? Yeah, I'm down with that. So you have to ask the question in a certain way. Be like, if we enter the lighthouse at night, will we have good or bad results? Right, because that kind of covers both Scott and Duncan's questions, right? Like, Duncan, you wanted to know about going into the lighthouse? Mm Mm-hmm. So if we enter the lighthouse during the dark will it be will it will it be bad for us right yeah that's essentially is that what you guys want to go with sure yeah Samal trusts Sage Tulak in all things mystic (laughs) that's fair (laughs) yeah and Physic has no idea so he's gonna do the same leaning forward in his chair he's kind of has his hand inside the pouch on his hip letting the bones fall between his fingers that he uses to see the future, which at this point have been rather silent to him. And he looks to Rin and says, If we attack the lighthouse in the night, will this go wrong for us? She patiently listens to your question and raises her head to the stars. Whoa. And your head snaps back down. She takes a deep breath and a sigh. Cosmic caravan. It says woe to the night in the lighthouse. But this is when I see the light. When the light comes at its cupola. You may have to brave the danger. But you will have to be prepared. I was afraid of that. I understand. I suppose this means more killing for us and whatever lies between us. 
it doesn't have to mean more killing for us. I mean, not you two anyway. It could just mean more killing for me. Samal, you are an accomplished warrior, but we must work as a team. I appreciate that, but sometimes things might go a little bit better for you if you keep your hands clean, lad. That much is true, and I'm slowly coming to understand my powers, but it appears that not many of them can be used for anything other than this. For some reason, I've been made to hurt, and I don't know why, but this is my ability. Uh, Samal sizes you up, like, looks you up and down, and just gives you an approving nod before turning to physic and doing the same, thinking to himself that He's had worse shipmates, and these two have proven themselves useful in the last day, so he uh, finishes his tea and stands at the table. The moon hasn't even hit its zenith yet. Let's go find some wool. And just for the record, only in a fantasy role-playing setting would James approve of someone that quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Within the last day? Please. <laughs> if it were me, I wouldn't even know your names yet. <laughs> oh, thank God we took a lot of time before we started recording. <laughs> yeah. By the way, this is Duncan to be playing with us. Go. All right, do cannon. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Physic would be looking at them both, like knowing that he might not be the one with his hand on a knife or what have you, but, you know, they're all in this together. I imagine, has, has, has Physic gone from shitting himself to just normal nervousness now? The stools <laughs> have hardened <gone>. somewhat. <laughs> just pellets now. Yeah. <laughs> Square. So you, you set up right away then? That's the plan? That's Samal's idea. It sounded to him like Rin was saying, yeah, it, it's going to suck, you gotta go during the dark. So like his, his thoughts are to set out now. For sure, Rin is unsure. She just knows that she sees she sees the light at night most, mostly at night, and uh, and but then the stars have said, "Whoa, uh, awaits you." Yeah, I read it as like we were there during the day already, and the keep has not yet been cleared out. So, not even if the gauntlet isn't necessarily shining at the time, um, that doesn't necessarily make it, you know, safe to go during the day or completely a waste of time to go during the day. I think physic would make the appeal to Samal of... She didn't say we have to go at night. There's, there still might be things to look at during the day. Perhaps we scout the tower, clear the keep, and scout the tower during the day. And then we know nothing will come behind us come the nightfall. Perhaps we sleep this evening and approach in the morning and spend the entire day there. As much of a day as we can. How do you feel, Samal? I know you are anxious to head back to battle and complete this task, but perhaps we should wait. Takes in what you all have said and casts his eyes upwards through the dome to the stars. And just gives a satisfied nod with your explanations. And Nah, lad. 
I'm not anxious to get back to the fight. I'm anxious to get back to everything after the fight. But you're right, my eyes are better in the day. I do understand the distinction you make, Small. Okay, hold on, I've got an idea though. Perhaps it would be best for us to go to the lighthouse, camp out overnight outside said lighthouse, to kind of get, you know, scouted out, recon. See if there's something going on in the tower that we can see from that distance, and then set out in the morning. Is that a case you're making? I'm just putting out the idea. Out of character. Are you putting... Okay, uh, I mean, you guys have convinced Samal to wait until the morning. Like, I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to go. Like, James wants to fight. James' favorite part about this game is combat. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps we should approach the Fogfen, the keep at night. See what we can see from a close vantage. Sleep under the stars. And then enter in the morning to clear out. We may get an idea of what we're looking at before the next night, if we get to see it first. Or we may set off a couple of sentries and have a little bit more trouble than we bargained for while we're sleeping. This is true. But it's not a bad idea. Physic, what say you? Big sigh from Physic, but... He's kind of resigned himself to this task as it is, so he'll kind of, like, look at everybody in the room wistfully and say, Okay, um, maybe not too close, but okay, let's do it. Grab your packs and your bedrolls, meet me on the bridge on the Miller's Road in an hour. We'll head out. So you guys do what you need to do, and within the hour, meet on the road and head down the Gaunt Trail. Again, 20-minute walk, nothing laborious, and as you reach the end of the trail and that entrance outbuilding to the ruins, you look up at the top of the lighthouse and you see a pale blue shimmer didn't notice it before in the fog, but it is pushing through that mist at the moment. And you kind of marvel at the fact that Rin can see it from town, to be honest. It's pale enough here, especially to Samal's eyes, but it's there. But it's just a shimmer. You guys can't see it at home, but Freeman has this dope effect on the map. It's super cool looking. Oh yeah, I forgot they put that there. Yeah, if you zoom into the old lighthouse there. <laughs> Oh yeah, I see it. Okay, that's sweet. I would like to roll a check to see if I can determine at all what type of magic it is. So, occult, arcana. It's a good religione. Question. To be honest, it's not within your detect magic range, so I, I I kind of wonder if you can at all just from the sight of it. And I don't think that really works. It's, it's a pale blue shimmer. Almost any kind of magic could could have caused that, technically. Um, I feel like you need to be within range of detecting magic as a, as a basis, uh, unless you have... Well, I mean, detect magic wouldn't really help, because obviously it's magic. I think he was yeah. just trying to see if there's a source, if it's a spell he knows. That's what it is, because I can roll 
control an occultism, and I don't cast magic at all. Right. But it's whether or not it's something that I've come in contact. Maybe a recall knowledge more than anything. Yeah. 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 All yeah. right. Yeah. Go ahead and roll me an occult check. Actually, I say I say roll me. I'll roll it secret. <laughs> okay. Well, hold on. Before you get too deep. In this scenario, then, I would like to use join pass, and then James and I oh, okay. can aid. So, if James is a willing participant, Tulak will take his hand to Samal's forehead and cast join pass with a purple glow from his hand. Okay. So, are you rolling the check in that case, or am I? I can roll it. I have a decent occultism. So my, yeah, my occult is plus four, so... I'll roll it. Okay, I will aid. (laughs) Mine's a plus five, and I think that's how the spell works. Yeah. Mine's a plus six. Oh, what, physic? (laughs) Yeah. Hilarious. Occult? Yeah, there's a lot lot of backstory to that, but basically he's been studying (laughs) demons and shit. I, I didn't even aid anyways. Okay. Super cool. So we, you, you touch your palm to Samal's head, and this purple glow comes out. You use your experience to reach into Samal's past of of non magical to to try and identify what maybe this could be uh, through your experience with magic and Samal's experience with time in the occult. Uh, and you may not be able to identify what's magical about it but maybe he can identify where he's seen something like this before, if he has. Uh, okay. How was that for justification? <laughs> that was great. Uh, pretty all right, I'd say. Uh, but the most glaring thing that stands out for sure is that you've you've definitely never seen anything like this. It's And it it's, it's like a sore thumb standout. This is absolutely not related to anything that you can think of. Not even the, the necromancers of Gib had anything to offer like this. Extraordinarily unique. Frustrated, uh, Tulak will look around the grounds to see if there's anything moving or any guards or mitflits or anything like that. Uh, nothing. It's it's uh, it's exactly as you saw it uh, the first time you came. Still water, no noise, just other than the bugs and, and various uh, flora and fauna moving around. I guess for a little housekeeping as well, as they're sitting there, Tulak is kind of preparing himself for maybe an inevitable combat, he's not sure, and simply casts mage armor on himself, as a purple glow envelops his body and then fades away. Getting so predictable. I think Samal will recommend they take shelter in the outbuilding because there's only one entrance and their backs are up against the river if they need to escape room. But it didn't burn down, so we know it's not going to burn down. <laughs> All right, so we're you're making camp? Spending the night? Mm-hmm. Yep. What yep. time do you plan on getting up and getting started? About a half hour before dawn, he'll get up and start making coffee. Okay, and sorry, uh, sorry, I, I I might have missed it there. Are you are you staying outside or inside the outbuilding there? Uh, Samal will suggest that they stay inside, mm-hmm. but he's not. He doesn't have much experience camping on the land, 
So like he he doesn't really know where like a good vantage point would be. <laughs> His life has been spent in inns and on a boat. Right. Yeah. So he. He, he makes the suggestion, but he, he's willing to follow Physic and Tulux lead because this has got to be their area of expertise. I mean, I don't think any of you have, like, camping kits or tents or anything. That You just have bed rolls, so it makes the most sense to, to take shelter. Right? Yep. Uh, so what do you guys say about camping in the outbuilding? Sure. I think that camping in the outbuilding sounds fine. And it stinks in there, remember. It stinks real bad. It's covered in magical pixie mud. <laughs> <laughs> Which we now know piles. is shit. Yeah, you now know is mitflit shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mit shit. Um, yeah, I think that Tulok's cool. He's getting a little. I don't know. He doesn't want to necessarily camp outside. So, yeah, any port in a storm, I guess. Can I do a quick nature check to know if there are any like uh, herbs or plants around that will give off a pleasant aroma when burned, so it doesn't smell like complete shit? In here? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Do they, do they exist in swamps? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, cattails don't smell bad. Okay. Um, oh, uh, wasabi is a swamp plant. Uh, well, uh, I rolled you a natural one, so uh, no, you don't find anything. <laughs> Before we go to sleep, um, physics gonna lay down that spike snare. Uh, just about at the door. Probably just outside it. Okay. To the southeast. Should we take watches? Oh, yeah, we should definitely be taking watches. I mean, the whole point of being here is to, is to like, watch and, and stuff, right? So mm. yeah. Yes, and Tulak also is going to cast Detect Magic in the northernmost point of the room. 30-foot emanation. Does he see anything? Not a thing. Okay, so he's a little more comforted. Is the body still in there? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that mid flip that's dead in the corner. Yeah, you just left it there. It's still, it's still there, <laughs> decomposing now slowly. Good breakfast anyway. <laughs> you goblins lead anything. <laughs> Not an iron gut goblin for nothing, buddy. <laughs> uh, Sage Tulok just starts to grab some of the boards and planks and stuff that had fallen from the ceiling and will just place them on top of the body just so he doesn't have to look at it all night uh, so for the um, just for the record if you want to if you do a full rest which you don't necessarily need to do it's uh, for a party of three it's a 12 hour total time with four hour increments of watch yeah I think Samal will just watch for six hours and then by then it should be about dawn yeah, I, I was more thinking that they would just wait until daylight, and we've all rested, so it's just kind of passing the time at this point. So Small just kind of keeps scouting the bank. Okay. Uh, long, uh, short bow out, not the axe and the shield. Can we see the top of the lighthouse from oh, absolutely the broken yeah. doors? Okay. Yeah, the the top level, the, well, like the 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 widow's walk in the cupola where you would stand, um, uh, is a hundred feet up from the base, so it's it's tall. So Tulak is sitting cross-legged in kind of the northernmost area of the outbuilding, staring out at this glow. And the glow is there; it shimmers, and as the sun begins to rise becomes less and less obvious particularly too small but as the area becomes very slowly and lightly illuminated again the sun has to try and pierce through 
that fog and mist that pervades everywhere. And uh, you uh, have a very peaceful watch, and you watch that uh, that shimmer wane, and nothing really happens. Although Samal, as you scout around and the sun become comes through, you do notice in the pond just a little tiny something peeking out. He's just going to assume it's that fanged frog and just make his way back to the outbuilding. <laughs> and so we hit the morning. Let's call it, you said just before just before uh, dawn, right? You wanted to rise and start the coffee. Let's call it uh, once coffee and breakfast. Breakfast is done? <laughs> what are you eating for breakfast? <laughs> I think rations. Like, I don't know if they want to be making breakfast here and making a fire. I think that Take a snack. You take a snap of your turkey jerky. Yeah. Drink a coffee. Not turkey jerky. Yeah. <laughs> I will reduce my rations by one. <laughs> uh, now, one one ration uh, in the inventory actually counts for a whole week. So it's going to be kind of a pain. I will reduce my rations by one and just not track for <laughs> <laughs> Sold. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So being from Otari is probably like smoked fish. For sure. Yeah. So for for uh, for reference, we're looking at like you you've guys obviously you've already cleared at the entrance out building. The bridge is collapsed. The stone out building to the southwest is covered and cleared, uh, as well as uh, the room that's next to it and the sort of central L-shaped hallway. So you've explored all of this sort of central and southeastern side. I might have misspoke a second ago, but the southeastern side of the building. Um, but you know from the out, outer uh, uh, scouting, the scouting of the outer area that the there's still some rooms uh, to the east and certainly to the north, including uh, the lighthouse proper. So, just for point of reference, what you've what you've gone through so far is, you know, obviously you've cleared out the original entrance outbuilding where the bridges collapsed. To the southeast was the stone building and walkway, uh, and you cleared that. That's where you killed the boss. There was the room before with the sinkhole and the central uh, hallway, L-shaped hallway in the center of the um, of the building. So you know that to the west there are were a couple doors and rooms, and also to the northeast and uh, pretty much center north uh, is also the lighthouse itself. So this is uh, what you know is still yet to be explored. What's your approach? Can we just hand wave getting back into the keep itself? Absolutely. Uh, especially if you want to just take the same route around where you just hop over the small part of the stream and enter in from the uh, easterly side of, of the L-Ship Hallway, by all means. If you want to sort of cross where the broken bridge was, maybe we'll have to have a couple checks, but it's up to you guys. No, I think they'll just go around. They know it's a safe-ish way, so it, it seems like the right way to do it. Samal will enter the keep pretty brazenly, axe in hand, shield brandished, and uh, just kind of look at all of the doors waiting for uh, Sage to lock, and to a lesser extent, Physic, uh, to pick a door. I mean, Sage is directly in the name. Ooh. Also a reminder that the most northeasterly door is a double door, but it's piled with rubble, and that's where the hole above the door is to into the next room, so you have to climb up to get in through. Um, but otherwise, everything else are proper doors. Samal will make his way to the furthest south door. Okay, southwest door. 
and uh, give it a quick inspection. It looks awful. Crumbling as much as the rest of them. Okay. He will... uh... Which side of the door are the hinges on? Let me just roll a d2. Let me rephrase that. Does the door open outward or inward? (laughs) It appears... Oh, sorry. Let me rephrase that again. Does the door open towards me or away from me? Uh, I mean, if you if you use your athletics and force it open, it opens whatever direction you want. Uh, but it appears to open uh, away from you. Okay. He will uh, uh, just push it open with his shields, so that way he doesn't have to reach out and touch it and keep the axe in one hand. Uh, okay. So you, uh, you give it a little shove, and it comes away right off the hinges. <laughs> And you probably, as gently as you can, let it down to the ground, <laughs> I guess. Uh, no, he's just going to hit it with his shield oh, okay. so it just falls in. Oh, he just, yeah. boom, and it just crash. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, the, 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 the theory behind that is the action economy. So to open a door with his hand, he would have to put the axe away, open the door, and then draw the axe again. These, so are, the, these, gonna... these are the sorts of nitty-gritty details uh, that, that James loves. That's why he loves combat so much. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, and thank, thank, um, thank Christ he's here. <laughs> Those little things are so easy to forget when you have all this shit in your head. Um, okay, yeah. I love it. So he's going to smash it open with his shield, and he's going to take the scout action in uh, exploration mode okay. and step through the door. Beautiful. And you step into a room with a collapsed wooden staircase in the northeast corner that uh, winds up to a moss-shrouded hole. The expanse of the fog then is visible through a total collapse of the stone wall to the west. And you can see a dead frog the size of a horse sprawled in the collapse and its back legs have been bitten off at the hips. Does the the French... What? Sorry, what? <laughs> Does the frog have fangs? <laughs> Sad, sorry. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, fuck. Ask me again. <laughs> Does the frog have fangs? I'm leaving all this in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that got me so good. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, No, and and it appears to be uh, uh, something different from that frog beast you saw. Okay. So he will step further into the room. Using his axe, he will gesture to the moss-covered hole and then to the frog as he makes his way across this difficult terrain, I'm assuming, to this door in the southwest. Sage Tulak draws his dagger and follows. Physic back to shitting himself walks through the door behind me <laughs> and then he will uh, shield bash this door in the southeast southwest southwest alright and give the old tap on the door it crumbles away and you see the interior of what was once a watch post and it still has this wooden ceiling high above but there's a thick mound of filth and animal carcasses heaped on the floor that make the room anything but inviting. 
and it reeks. Yeah. He will, like, cover his nose with his shield hand and just step away, gesturing with his axe again to everybody else. Uh, towards the door to kind of take a look so they know what's in there, so there are no surprises. Sage Tulak approaches and would like to detect magic. No magic. Stepping in, he looks up. You step in, and you look up, and you see a trap door up above in the wooden ceiling, but with no access. But more importantly, you see a giant fly that's green and blue buzzing over your head, moving slightly along the the walls and ceilings above, and that it drops and its wings truly start to buzz and it barrows down on you and lunges. And we're going to roll for initiative. Woo, boy. Way too long. Not see that coming. (laughs) Let us get some numbers. What do you have? Physic. 16 from Physic. Was I still technically scouting? Uh, yeah. I'd say so. 17 from Physic. (laughs) Okay. And how about Tulak? 16 from Tulak. Okay. And Samal? Small got a 17. So that puts you guys, yeah, puts you tied with Physic. Who's got the higher initiative modifier? Physic's got a plus five. I have six with that plus one from Scout, so I think that puts me at the top. Okay. All right. And that means the giant fly goes first. Oh, you're in for it now. The giant fly flies down to Tulak with its first action and attempts to bite him with its mandibles for a 12 to hit. That's a miss, baby. Oh, that's a shame. How about a 14? Also a miss. Oh, shitty giant fly. Flies down, bite, bite, miss, miss. That brings us to Samal. He stepped out of the room to give way. What's he going to do now? Uh, he is going to move back into that room through Sage to Lock. It's full complement, full stride, 25 feet. And then with his second action, he is going to use his combat assessments and strike out with that boarding axe. All right. That is a 24 to hit. Uh, it is a hit. Not a critical. Not a critical. That's but okay. Uh, So that means I get a free recall knowledge check against the target. Uh, Okay. And uh, you've never seen a fly this this big before. That's for sure. That feels about right. (laughs) Uh, That is uh, six points of slashing damage. Okay. And with his third action, he's going to raise his shield. Physic, you're up. Oh boy. That's what I want. We haven't really planned this out quite yet. Um... Tight quarters in there. Not a, not a great spot for a bomb. <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, as much as I love splash damage against my own uh, my own party members. Um, I mean, we have evidence for your love of that. Yes, yes, we we very much do. Uh, I Recorded th- evidence, in fact. Well, yeah, I'm glad nobody's ever gonna <laughs> call me on that ever again. Uh, he's just gonna <laughs> step right behind one Mister Tulak and throw a dart at the. At the fly, with a that's a minus okay. three from cover. Am I not mistaken? 
Uh, you know what? Uh, it's it's come down, but I, uh, I think it's attacking a little bit from above. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say it's five feet in the air, and you have a, a more clear line of sight than normal. Okay. Okay. So it'd be one action to draw from the bandolier, and then one action to throw it for a twenty-five to hit. That's a hit. Still no crit though, so don't bother asking. I wasn't gonna. I don't have that much confidence in myself. Um, <laughs> two damage. Okay. And that's my turn. Pretty all right from Physic, uh, considering that's not your forte at all. Tulak, this thing's all up in your goodies. What are you going to do? So Tulak will dodge out of the way and wipe his hand across the face of the giant fly and cast Daze. So a will save, sir. Will save. Will do. Will do, can do. Uh, 15? You fail. Ah. You take four damage. Okay, uh, for mental damage, anything else? And then Tulak will step out of the room. And that's all, it's only damage on a fail for that? That's it? Yeah, basically, if you critically fail, though, um, you become stunned one, which is uh, more what I was going for sure. as opposed to just the four damage. Cool. Fair enough. We have a uh, another fly that flies in through the trap door above. There's this little space where it's... it's uh, it's propped open um, from all the swollen, the swollenness of the damp and the wood. And this other giant fly squeezes through this one a couple of different colors. And it flies straight down and joins the fray. And is going to come straight at Samal. Do I get an attack of opportunity for entering my square? Um, it's not from entering. But uh, is it from entering? No. It, it, it basically approaches you... Uh, into into quote unquote melee, but from five feet above your head at an angle, and uh, it's going to try and attack. Uh, it's going to be a natural twenty, I'm afraid. Oh, hey, you're rolling a lot of those, and it makes me really uncomfortable. Against you in particular, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Um, holy shit! Um, oh boy, eighteen damage. Holy. What? Oh, no, I'm gonna use my reaction to shield block. Yes. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, that was a that was a big that was a big that was that was max damage max damage on a crit. Um. Uh, okay, so I will I will use use my reaction to shield block. That means the shield will take off five of that eighteen, and then or was it eighteen? Eighteen damage. Yeah. Uh, and then the shield and I will both take. 13 damage. And I need you to roll me a fortitude save. Oh boy. Uh, okay. I need to move both me and the shield down to 7 HP. Uh, Alright. Fortitude save. I'm an expert. Uh, that is an 18. You're in the clear. Okay. I guess I'd be choked if I was. <laughs> and that was only its first attack. It's gonna try another one. Uh, with a 6 to hit. 6 is a miss. Okay. And it brings us to the other giant fly. It's going to turn its assault on you as well. 22 to hit. 22's a hit. 8 damage. Small is dying. Oh, man, this room is bad news bears. I'll use my one hero point to stabilize. Okay. Or to make a hero recovery. So it bites you. You go down. I need another fortitude save, however. Uh, even though I'm unconscious of dying? It's the fact that it hit you at all. That's 23. Oh yeah, nailed it. <laughs> and uh, then this fly will uh, lower itself down and move towards the door, seeing physic and attempt 
an attack on him with a seven to hit. That does not. And that brings us to Samal. That's going to basically be your turn. You're just there unconscious. Yeah, and Physic can see two gleaming healing potions in Smalls' band. <laughs> uh, however, <laughs> this fly has actually flown down to the ground, so it is in your way. Holy shit, this is not not where you want to be. Firstly, he is going to throw an alchemist fire. Uh, oh, if getting it past that thing would have it, it'd be uh, from cover now, wouldn't it? Kind of, yeah. I mean, it's a low AC to hit, like, the ground. Yeah. So it's not that big a deal. But you're also... It's some all's there. And splash damage splash is not damage your, your main go-to for damage on bombs, right? It's not really ideal. You want to hit the target. Can he not squeeze past the giant fly? You could attempt to tumble through. Oh, okay. You roll an acrobatics check against its reflex DC. Yeah, uh... Quite characteristically, not a very acrobatic little fellow, this guy. But I don't really see a ton of recourse right now. And he's absolutely bugging out. Pardon the pun. I'm going to give this to you uh, as a freebie, just as we're still getting our our feet on the ground in this. Um, This is a fly. It's a big fly. Its reflex is very high. Ooh, okay. I suppose, yeah, I can't even, like, swat them in real life. (laughs) <laughs> right? <laughs> so I don't think he's going to even be able to try to get past it. Uh, what he will do is cry. Um, no, he will... <laughs> Fuck. He'll just try to hit it with a uh, another dart and run away. Okay. With an 11 to hit. Uh, yeah, no. No dice. And he will take a step away to the northwest. Okay. And pray to whatever deity needs to be prayed to right now that one Mr. Sage Tulak can help us. <laughs> <laughs> Sage, what do you got? All right. Um, things have gotten pretty dire in here. So Sage is going to reach into his bag of tricks and he will raise his hand and cast Magic Missile. Oh, buddy. And he's going to go with all three actions on this one. Okay. We need to level up soon. Yeah, so that is four <laughs> points of damage for the first okay. attack. It's still alive. Three points of damage for the second. Still alive. And five points of damage for the fi- third. It explodes. Woo. All right, uh, but unfortunately, that is all he can do this turn, as that is three actions. Okay. First giant fly in the doorway, down. Next up, other giant fly that surprised you through the doorway and it sort of starts to just fly up and around it within this watch post and it spends its whole turn doing that. Samal, you're still unconscious but stabilized. Physic, what do you do? Well, this is his time to shine by uh, seeing that fly go down. He will stride his way into the room and you said the the Pile of carcasses is difficult terrain. Yes. Yeah, that that tracks. Um, I guess I've never really pulled a, uh, a healing potion off of a unconscious body before. Would that be any more than the, uh, the like pulling it out of his bandolier would probably be the dis- the same yeah. as mine, right? I'd say it's the same. He's he's you know, uh, did he fall on his back or his front? That's the question. Uh, but I feel like it's just get, getting too nitty gritty. So go for it. 
All right. Roll a, roll a 1d2 to see if you landed on your potions and broke them all. <laughs> That's really ruin your day. <laughs> no facing in Pathfinder, Barn. Yeah. <laughs> Kudos to that. Do you actually want that 1d2? No, God, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 no, I'm just teasing. Just teasing. I don't get jokes. Um... <laughs> Well, I guess that's just... Uh, the healing potions are on him. I don't have access to his character sheet. Or okay, that's fine. So uh, you step in, you grab one, and you administer, and that's three actions, right? Yeah. More or less? What do you, what do you got for healing there, Samal? Your potion, roll it. Five. Five. Not too bad. Not bad. And you wake up. Two luck. Can he see the giant fly from where he is through the door? Or right now, no. It, it's flown, like, up... So you don't have a line of sight. Not a problem. So he will stride with his first action into the room. Man, this door makes it difficult. Here we go. All right. So he strides into the room past the pile of carcasses and is going to cast telekinetic projectile. Uh, but he is too disgusted by the pile and rolls only a 10 because he cannot focus. Oh, no. Steps in. Does his best to throw a carcass at the fly or something, some such. No such luck. Fly flies down and starts going at physic. As he would. As he would. Oh, natural 20. That's what you want. <laughs> that's, that's what you want. And that's going to be, oh man, nearly max damage for 16. Uh, probably going to use a heroic recovery right about now because physic just went down. <laughs> No! <laughs> uh, okay, Physic down. Roll me a Fortitude, please. And if anyone needs to know, I've also got a bandolier with slightly less effective healing potions in them. <laughs> I can't believe this direction of this is going. A 22 from the Fortitude. Uh, you are safe. Small, you're awake. I hate to ask, but that flies another attack. Oh, yeah, you're not wrong. However, it will spend its action. Let's see, it flew down, attacks, and knocks Physic down, and it will fly over towards Tulak, the only one standing. But that's it. Is it still 20 feet in the air? It, no, it's it's back to the 5 feet in the air. Okay. Uh, he is going to stand up and take an attack of opportunity if that's on the table. It is not. You're good. Second action, he's going to hit this thing with its boarding axe. Okay, it's going to use what's called avoid the swat. It's okay, I critically failed. Okay. <laughs> you uh, you swing, uh, avoid the swat as a reaction of his when it's targeted by a melee or range attack. It gets a plus two bonus to its uh, AC. And, uh, and then it's also allowed to fly up to its speed, which it does. It flies... 30 feet up into the air. Well, up to 30 feet in the air. Next, up to the, the trap door. So it's way up there again. I don't legitimately have a third action, uh, so I'm just going to end my turn. How do you not legitimately have a third action? I it, I don't want to draw a ranged weapon. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily want to bring Physic back into this fight. Mm-hmm. I cannot throw the boarding axe, and I cannot ready or delay. So I don't have a third action that I like, so I'm going to end my turn at two actions. Raise a shield? 
my shield is broken. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering about that. No. Oh, my God. Um, it took 13 damage to break. Threshold is 10, so oh. it, there's 7 HP left. Man, those crits were brutal. Were brutal. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, you could always try to demoralize it. <laughs> I just throw it. I throw, I'm trying to throw something. At, yeah, well, that's fine. If, if that's what. You, yeah. Yeah. Demoralize is the language trait. You can try with a minus four, right? And you have nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose by well, spending the action. If there was ever a more confident fly, right now, it's probably that one right there. <laughs> well, physic is down and uh, stabilized. Tulak, it's up to you, buddy. If there's anything you can do, you got to do it now. Yep, absolutely. Um, so, actually, he was going to demoralize, so Tulak looks at the fly and says, Please, avert from here. We don't want to kill you. We just want to be on our way. Um, we've killed your friend, and we will kill you too, but please, just leave us alone. And uh, it was more of a plea. Yeah, but, to uh, say. <laughs> it's not much of an intimidation, is it? <laughs> more begging for mercy. <laughs> he, can't, he can't speak common. So uh, that is going to be 24 intimidation. Minus four. Minus four gets the will DC. Yeah, not yep. going to get anything out of that, unfortunately. Jesus. High will for a freaking fly. This thing's actually pretty beast. Really? No shit. Alright, well, uh, that's okay, because basically he was just trying to do that to use up an action, and he will, again, attempt a telekinetic projectile, throwing the corpse of the other fly at it. Nice. And all syllables intact. Love it. I'm on a roll. (laughs) And that is a crit at 27. Oh! Natty 20. Oh, baby. Maybe you can maybe you can sort this situation out. What do you got? What do you got for damage? Let's go. Here we go. 14 points of damage. Oof. Not so hot. That's a big hit, though. That's, that's not a small hit. It's, it's a big hit. I, you know, I was just looking for a one-hit kill. It's still alive, and it's going to attack you. Natural one. Nah. And then it attacks again for 21. Uh, that'll do. And that's going to be five piercing. And I need that sweet, sweet fortitude, please. Fifteen? Okay, fifteen. Me to beat. Uh, it's not a great roll. It's not a, not a terrible roll. Um, but, uh, yeah. It's a roll. Moving on. Samal. What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> oh, someone's keeping their cards close to their barn. <laughs> this fly that struck out at Tulak, did it do it from 30 feet in the air? Oh, yes. Uh, yes, yes, it did come down to the five-foot mark. Thank you. Uh, he will use his first action to strike then. Okay. That's a natural 20 for a 29. Oh, <laughs> that's what I'm <laughs> talking <Doki. about. laughs> What do you got? That is 20 points of slashing. Oh, there that's it is. literally its max hit points. It's is it yeah. dead? <laughs> it's so dead. <laughs> Good. Fuck me. Oh, just cleaves it in half. Just he takes that, removes that last action from his last turn to just wait. <laughs> he just waits, and when the fly comes down, it reaches out its mandibles to strike at Tulak, and it does. And Samal just 
cleaves his head clean off. And you could tell it tried to use his avoid SWAT reaction again and like went to shift after being sh- like uh, hit and then hit again and like being swung at and but you you just timed it. You saw it was going to go for it and you you uh, adjusted accordingly. And that is it. That's the end of that. But physic is laying by the doorway <laughs> covered in animal carcass. <laughs> Well, it's been a long day, fellas. What do you say we head back to town? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so are we still in... Um... No, combat is done. Initiative's yeah, done. Uh, I'll use his healing potion on his bandolier like you did for me and, and bring him back a little up. little tit for tat. All right. You scratch my bandolier, I'll scratch yours. <laughs> <laughs> Stemming the Tide is an actual play podcast of the Adventure Path Abomination Vaults and is produced by the Uncharted North Network. Stemming the Tide uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Inc. used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. Stemming the Tide is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo. For more information about Paizo Inc. and Paizo products, visit paizo.com. Music is composed by Will Savino and artwork by Greyhood. Stemming the Tide is recorded remotely using Foundry Virtual Tabletop. If you wish to connect with us or support this project and projects to come, we can be found at unchartednorth.ca, patreon.com slash unchartednorth, and on all major social media platforms. Links to all credits can be found in the episode description and our website. Thanks for tuning in.